1: That's Chumba Casino.com. No purchase necessary. DW, report prohibited by law. C terms and conditions 18. Plus.
2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: Hello boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of the Fighting Cock for the Extra Inch. I'm Windy, I'm here with my sidekick, Bardi. Fucking hell. I mean, you know, the rest of
4: the Fighting Cock actually called you up about calling me a sidekick. What would you prefer, henchman? No, just your friend. Co-host. Co- no, I'm not co-host. Just I'm just here with friend. my
3: sidekick and also best friend, Bardi. <laughs> yes. And we're also joined by Talking Totten Tactics, also known as Nathan. Hey, hey. Nathan, welcome back. Uh... We're here to talk about tactics and stuff. Love it. Just general stuff. Uh, So last time we spoke, it was before Chelsea, I think. Mm -hmm. And we'd not really been playing much uh, with three at the back. Things have changed. Three at the back is suddenly the de facto Pochettino formation. We're now Um, uh,
4: all converted. Everybody in Tottenham is like three at the back now, which which is an amazing place that we've come from. From being something which three in the back has kind of like shied away from to being just like accepted, and we actually miss it now we haven't got it, and people are calling out for us to play three at the back again.
3: Absolutely. So, Nathan, I mean, you're here as our tactics guy. How does our three at the back system work?
5: The three at the back system um, addresses the problems we've had in central midfield this season, uh, partly with Wenyama replacing Dyer who despite being a, a fantastic defensive midfielder, is quite limited in how he moves the ball in possession. And I think Dembele's fitness has also dropped off, which means he's been less productive as well. Uh, so we've had a, a problem area in deep central midfield. What the three at the back system does is that it takes inspiration from Conte's Chelsea in that one centre-back remains deep, while the other two, the wide centre-backs, really push up into midfield. And uh, it's sort of a, a weird uh, reflection of of the tactical developments in football is that our centre backs are better passers than our central midfielders, and Dia and especially Vertonghen on the left are able to to act as these sort of auxiliary central midfield players and and make the play from deep.
3: It's interesting because I think there's been a lot of criticism in the Premier League of the standard of defending um, over the last sort of four or five years. And personally, I think some of that can be put down to the fact that centre-backs aren't traditional centre-backs anymore. The position has changed. So much is expected of a centre-back now in terms of their long-range passing ability, their ability to bring the ball out from the back to play-make. And as a result, those guys aren't the ones who are bullying strikers at school and under-16 and under-18 level. They're players who are often in midfield and then get dropped back to become centre-backs, much like dire has been this
4: year. I mean the perfect example of that is someone like David Luiz who five, six, seven years ago, when he first came to England was ridiculed um, as a as a, as a FIFA as someone controlling him on a FIFA game. But now in a back three playing this role you kind of see where his qualities are. And players like Luiz Mascherano, who maybe they're not traditional centre backs, are kind of Getting, finding joy there. And that's why I think Dyer's kind of experience of playing a season in centre midfield has turned him into an excellent, excellent defender in the back three. He struggles a little bit in the four, as we've seen, but in a back three, I think he's great.
3: And Louise is a great example. I mean, for, for me, Louise is arguably on course to be player of the season this year. Um if he's not player of the season he'll be certainly in the reckoning for it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think all the plaudits are thoroughly deserved. He's marshalled that Chelsea defence fantastically, brilliant in possession, but also he sweeps up so well. Um he's kind of a bit of a throwback in, in this Conte formation and I've thoroughly enjoyed watching him play.
5: And and now so is Toby, performing a very similar role. Um yeah.
3: But equally all of our all of our three could play that central role, I feel. I feel like they're all good enough at reading the game. Uh, and passing to to be in the middle of a back three, um, be that Dyer, Alderweireld, or Vertonghen.
4: Yeah, I think uh, Alderweireld's definitely the strongest one, and I think him, Luis and Bonucci probably at the moment three of my favourite kind of like linchpin central
3: centre free um, like central uh, centre backs. So, I mean, what do we know about the back three? Uh, the the history of the back three. I mean, I've, I. I'm a big fan of inverting the pyramid and and if Jonathan Wilson um, talks about the fact that between 1930 and 1960 the majority of teams played with a back three in some variation of the WM formation which was a 3-2-2-3. And then in Hungary and Brazil it became common to push one of the holding midfielders deeper and Brazil's national side were discernibly playing with a back four by 1958 so it it shows how the formations come in and out of fashion much like it has over the last 20 years in England.
4: Well in Italy we in, uh, don't criticize me in Italy it kind of it came from like um, a preconception that after the war the Italians viewed themselves as like physically and may- possibly even mentally uh, like inferior to the rest of the world so they started looking at ways to um, use defense as a as a means of attack and back then they used to play against like a front two so it was just became common sense to have a almost like a libero and it was um this amazing writer Gianni Barrera who was down in part to um, kind of identifying this. And he actually created the word libero. And it became...
3: To, 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 what, how does that word translate? It's something about freedom. As a
4: free man, like um, the free person. If you're looking at more modern times, the Beckenbauer, that kind of thing, you would look at it now, Louise. Sweeper. Sweeper, yeah. exactly. And um, it came really into the fore. In Italy, they used... It was first invented in Switzerland, the catinaccio, which nowadays has got like bad connotations to it. But um, what I found quite interesting is the the grande inter of H- Leo Herrera, Herrera had, um, had this amazing left back in Facchetti. And today there was an article in the Guardian that Jonathan Wilson wrote all about full backs. And if you haven't read it, go read it. And he lists Facchetti. And I was just like, he, the manager, the inter manager at that time said, I've got a defender here who scores as many goals as a forward. And it was just like, it was an amazing thing to read. Uh, and, and here, and it's just reminding me of Danny Rose and how we're playing at the moment with two kind of stoppers, as in, in Dyer and Vertonghen and then a libero. And then we've got this amazing kind of um, fullback who is just attacking. And then the fact that we're blessed by we've got one on the other side as well. So even though a back three, technically a back five, is quite a defensive tactic, it is actually really o- offensive as well.
3: I I just don't see it as a back five because Walker and Rose play so high. I mean, almost
4: as wingers. Yeah, I mean,
3: mm. I'd say in possession, absolutely as wingers. That Rose is sometimes our most advanced player, which is just crazy. And the and the idea is spot on. You've got people like Alderweireld and Batongan who can play long range passes, inch perfectly. Um, so if you've got these full-backs stretching the pitch, use them find them uh, find them early um, spread, stretch the pitch spread things wider it creates space for your attacking midfielders we've seen deli ali profit from it time and again um, the fact that he's found gaps to run into and get beyond kane Erickson in that little tucked in role on the right really enjoys finding pockets of space there and the two goals that deli scored against chelsea with, from erikson crosses were just prime examples of how spurs can operate in the system and the
5: the continued evolution of of Rosen Walker is a a huge huge testament to Pochettino's ability as a coach. I think uh, almost as recently uh, as this time last year, teams were playing defensively very very narrow against us because they knew that Rosen Walker would be limited uh, in their attacking output on the ball. And now we've already come so far in their ability to to outperform half the wingers in the league is incredible
4: um Johan Cruyff said that the um, the birth of the wing back was going to be the death of football because he was obviously a big he loved the winger but i think i think well he's he was he's been proven to be wrong that the wing back is actually it's, it's it is the new winger it kind of combines the two and it offers a team like defensive stability as well i think it is a five you'll see sometimes when we play a three and we're under sustained pressure the fullbacks will drop in and it will give us the strength for five across the back so even though they do play as wingers that's part partly down to their kind of a physical ability to be able to get forward so quick as soon as we've got possession
3: isn't it lovely that this is just yet another string to our players bows Mm -hmm. and we've now got this increased versatility as individual players and as a squad. and I strongly believe that this switch to three four three is not because Pochettino favours three four three. It's because he wants to get his best eleven players on the pitch. And with Lamela out, this is an opportunity to pick his best eleven players as it stands. And the reason I say that is Vitongan got injured and we went straight back to a back four because he doesn't want Vimmer to play. He doesn't see Vimmer as one of his best eleven. Um, and if he wanted to persist with three four three, he'd have played Vimmer. he would have played Vimmer on the left. We didn't do that we went straight back to a back four because he thought we've got players like Winks for example and Son who can come in and do a job in other positions Um, and I I think Pochettino doesn't have a particular favoured formation, he wants his players to be able to be flexible to play both and importantly as he says constantly to maintain the same philosophy regardless of whether they're playing three or four at the back and that is we press the opposition when they haven't got the ball, we win it back quickly and we play it forward quickly
4: I think you've been a little bit too quick there because we did play three at the back against Man City. He did try to shoehorn Vimmer in and we got badly exposed and we're lucky to to get away with it. But that that kind of that's the key here that you can't force tactics on players. You have to kind of you need a tactic which will fit the players. And he did try to do it, but he learned really quickly and I think Vimmer got taken off at half time, didn't he? He didn't see he didn't yeah, he didn't he didn't come out for the second half.
5: I actually think he's been quite harsh towards uh, Vimmer at the three back. I'd really have liked to see him uh, persevere with the three at the back shape, uh, despite Vimmer being quite a step down from Vertonghen. And I think it's a shame that he, uh, that that Vimmer's ability to maintain our three at the back was written off based on 45 minutes against a team who who pressed us man for man at the back.
4: Yeah, that's 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 a, that's a fair point. But I think I think he kind of saw after that 45 minutes that we had Liverpool coming soon. And maybe he was just like, look, abandon it, get to a back four, and then just get them used to playing four again for the trip to Anfield. Back to basics. Back to basics, exactly. Try and get through this period.
3: So, I mean, I've kind of nailed my colours to the mast there in a way, but we've got a question from Sam Marlowe via Twitter, who says, if Pochettino could sign any player he wanted and had unlimited resources, what formation would he play?
5: I think that one of the first players he would sign, if he could sign any player, would be Busquets. And with Busquets, we'd be able to, like a bit like Dyer last season, seamlessly move between a four and a three at the back as he dropped in from defensive midfield.
4: I really like that. I really like that. Uh, but there was a game I watched last week which made me think that Busquets as a force is gone. And that was, I thought, Verratti. This is no bias. I thought, <laughs> I thought him and Rabiot, I'll, I'll give credit to mm-hmm. both of them, I thought they were fucking superb. And Verratti, coming back from injury... He was he he was everything like you'd see in Dembele but with better passive range. Mm. He could pass left foot, right foot, short, long, dribble, tackle. And I've been a huge fan of his for a while, but I've always thought he kind of lacked the physical strength to see himself through a game, but he was he was wonderful against Barcelona and he bossed Busquets. So I I would love us to sign him. He's like he's like Winx on steroids, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Winks plus Dembele. Yeah, yeah. like moulded into one.
3: So we kind of, we've, we've touched on the City game already But more broadly we've got We had loads of um, Questions about how we cope with the press And people wanted to, to Kind of address that um, Hershologist On Reddit and Paul Cicelli On Facebook both asked a similar question Is it fair to say we struggle against the press How can we remedy that problem So this year we've had City and Liverpool In the league, we had the same issue last year With Liverpool and also West Ham Who, who pressed three up High against Last our season. back four and, and gave Trippier an absolute nightmare um, for, for one. But, I mean, Mason and I think Carroll alongside him. Was it Carroll with Benton to played in that game? I forget. Uh, we had a torrid game against West Ham. It's clearly been something that teams have, have seen and caught on to that we struggle with this counter-press. What do we do to remedy it? Why is it causing us so many problems? There's
5: only really two ways to approach playing against a pressing team. One is that you attempt to play round it, and if you succeed in playing round it, there are great rewards because you've opened the opposition up, or you sit deep and you play long, and there's sort of an in-between there where you try to play forward aggressively and fast. Uh, Pochettino is is very keen to always want to um, balls out, play out the back, despite the obvious tactical disadvantage. And there's uh, some admiration in that in his bravery and his belief in his system, but it's cost us a several team at times, and I wouldn't be too upset to see more pragmatism in those situations.
4: Yeah, I, you know, it's very. I think I mentioned in uh, the fighting cock pod recently that. It's very difficult to play against a team who know how to press properly because their whole con- the whole concept of pressing is to disrupt. You're not looking to take control of the ball, you're not looking to control the game. You- all you're focusing on is just destroying the opposition and winning that ball back. And the way to do it is using a free. You can you can pass around it. If you're in a four, it's much more difficult and you need the ball to come out of the fence properly and you need you need a little bit of luck to break it and you to kill a, to kill the press, you have gotta get a little bit of luck. Forward ball, get that goal. And once you, once you've kind of got the once you've got the lead, then they, they can press you as much as you want. It doesn't matter because you can, you can just give them the ball back. The onus is on them to kind of produce. And the problem was against Liverpool, we went a goal down, then we went two goals down, and we were we were fucked because all they could do they just carried on pressing pressing because then they don't they don't have to dictate the play. Hmm. Kind of like how almost how Leicester won the league last year by giving. By just giving away the, um, the onus, giving away the football, and then just counter attacking that. It
5: would be really interesting to see how that game would have gone if we had played a three at the back. I think that that is uh, a big question going forward. Can we play out from the opposition press with our best 11, with a three at the back? And uh, I think the answer to that question is has a, should have a big effect on how we go forward.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll come across as a fanboy, but I think it would have been really interesting to see how we'd have coped about Liverpool game had we had Lamela fit. Because I think his bravery is. I think the key to playing against uh, a pressing side is movement one and bravery two. And Lamella is brave. He will take the ball in tight situations. He'll turn and he'll look for a forward pass and he'll try and create things. But he'll also he'll make move, he'll make runs off off players. Mm. Uh, He'll find pockets of space. You need to have midfield players willing to run beyond the striker and give the centre-backs of the opposition and the deep-line midfield players of the opposition a a decision to make about their own positioning. Um, And you've got to have wide players and strikers capable of dropping in to fill the spaces that are created as a result of that. And that's what Liverpool did so well against us. I mean, Mane was making those forward runs out to in. But then you had Firmino dropping into the pockets and creating stuff it was synergy there and I think that's what we lacked in that match Um, other options include playing a kind of counter attack style sitting back soaking up the pressure and playing maybe a bit longer we've got the long passing ability throughout our team we've got Alderweireld's terrific diagonals we've got Vertonghen's very capable um, and the target as well. as
5: well we've got we've got Harry Kane or even Vincent Jansen if he wanted to play absolutely. long mm. absolutely so it's, it's within our ability to have done that
3: we have got a slight weakness in our midfield with long passing and the passing range I think the only one whose range I, I think is of any great shakes is Harry Winks and it would be a lot of pressure to be asking him to play with 30 40 yard passes consistently, his, his game's more in his short passing game is much more developed. More about being
5: tidy and, and consistent, yes,
3: yeah. So, we do that's something that we lack in midfield. Um, we don't have someone like Carrick who can suddenly spring a defense and pick a pass out, or Huddleston, even. Um, and maybe that's something that we could look to to bring in in the summer with with our summer recruitment. Perhaps if Ericsson dropped deeper in these in these matches against pressing teams, perhaps that could be something we could look towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very capable in possession. The only problem is he can be a bit weak, and he can he can get butted off the ball. Um, but it, yeah, there's lots to there's lots to ponder on there. I I do think we're vulnerable as it stands.
4: But being disrupted by City and Liverpool is not it's not like the end of the world. You're talking about two teams managed by two managers who are like firmly believers in this like tactical. You, as much as Guardiola has been getting criticised because of his press conferences, everything he's still tactical great, and Klopp is amazing the way he does things, and we the the three players that each team had up front pressing our defence, you know it's going to happen against players of that quality and of that kind of physicality and speed and and uh, stamina as well.
3: I guess the most disappointing thing for me in the City game was that they had Yoyo Toure basically as a one-man midfield, and we didn't make them pay for that. We well, because, couldn't get
5: at it, could yeah.
4: we? Yeah. Couldn't get it. we couldn't get to him because they were disrupting us and forcing forcing us to forcing us to lose the ball. What I what I would like to see is I would love to see a team like Arsenal try and press us. I remember Nathan was talking during the Arsenal Chelsea game about how Arsenal were pressing and they they can't press. They got no mm-hmm. discipline. They mm-hmm. can't do it. So. I'll, if a team like Arsenal pressed us, I think we'd play out of that easily. The gap between their front three and their midfield, we would just wander through it. But against um, against Liverpool and Man City, they they knew exactly what they were doing. They're too organised. Too disciplined,
3: Whereas Arsenal were more about what they can do in possession. rather than Yeah, out
4: of it. it's it's half-hearted pressing from them, and that is, you might as well you might as well not bother because all you do if you half-heart press, you just you just give open up. yourself up. Yeah, exactly. No You've yeah. got to go in balls deep or or just sit deep.
3: <laughs> Anything to
5: add there, Nathan? Uh, well, you mentioned Arsenal there and uh, I, for narrative reasons a lot of us are dreading the last North London derby but if we play a three at the back at that game and they try to come out then um, I'm very excited about that. I think yeah. our, our issue with Arsenal over the last couple of years is that we've uh overcommitted ourselves early got got excited for it obviously as we want to see from our players but worn ourselves out and then we slipped to the ends yeah. so we either need to secure a, a three goal advantage early on or spread ourselves out across the game
4: and we've conceded i think we've conceded first in the last two games at least mm-hmm. even the game we 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 beat them at white hart lane where kane scored that header i think we we were 1-0 down as well in game. that yeah but we we got to stop giving up, giving away the onus to them. I mean, but they've been slow starters for most of the seasons. So I, I I actually don't fear Arsenal. I fear Manchester United because Mourinho, for all his failings, he knows how to stop us, and we've seen that now. The Carling Cup final, a couple of times with Chelsea, even when Chelsea were in poor form, he was able to nullify us, and we saw this season at Old Trafford, the way he. Um, I haven't seen Spurs look so limp before. Mm-hmm. And even against Liverpool, Man City, we still had something there, but Mourinho just knows how to kill us.
3: He's a crafty sod, isn't he? Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, you don't win two Champions Leagues with two kind of like inferior teams by not being crafty.
3: I mean, that's him at his best, isn't it? When he's mm. got the inferior team and he's a stopper. Yeah. Stop the opposition. And he,
4: um, at the new camp with 10 men, he beat Barcelona. Within beat Barcelona, he managed to hold on and go through yeah. with 10 men for the majority really. of the match.
3: Let's change it up a bit. I mean, last time we uh, podcasted on The Extra Inch, we were sort of bemoaning Delhi and Ericsson. And since then, we've seen them a sort of mini-renaissance, and then mm-hmm. both of them have sort of dropped away again a little bit with the formation change back to a four, and also with Danny Rose being out, which has obviously had a huge impact on the team generally. But, I mean, Ericsson has a spell of five six games where he was looking unplayable why did he suddenly get good again and same for delhi uh
5: for me that justifies what i was saying beforehand uh months before is that uh, i mean we can say okay if they're truly world class and they'll they'll grab a uh a game by the horns and, and make it happen but but that's maybe unfair and and really both of them are reliant on the rest of the team functioning well and having control of the midfield and when we have that then they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, e- e- Eriksson last weekend against Fulham was was absolutely unplayable, as you said. And and calling them out when the shape is wrong, when the selection doesn't favour them, is probably harsh on them because they're, we need to be systematically correct in order for them to be favoured.
4: Yeah, it is it is harsh on them. But unfortunately, it's two players who who thrive when we've got control of the ball. It's it is it is what happens. I mean, um
3: it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had a good point. <laughs> the, the, I think the sort of general move to, to playing three at the back was a response to teams wanting to not not Spurs' move. The general move to three at the back was a response to teams wanting to fit in more attacking midfield players, and that formation does allow us to play two creative players behind the striker. Because you don't have to worry about having a functional winger there, you've got that in your full backs or wing backs. Um, so it does allow us to play both Eriksson and Deli in, I say free roles, when I say free I don't mean they're not doing anything because we both know that they work incredibly hard for the team under Pochettino. But they've got the freedom to hit the box when they like, to, pick, to find themselves in spaces between the def- defence and midfield. Like coming off the touchline and to sort of roam about the area and drag players out of position. And I think the formation, the 3-4-3 formation does suit both of them as a result.
4: Yeah, I remember what I was going to say now because I, I, I very rare that I dropped to the de- defence of Ericsson. So I, <laughs> I defended Eriksen, but then I forgot my point. Is um, When we beat Chelsea at home, I don't actually think that was our best performance. I've seen us play better, mm. but I thought we were so effective and the formation allowed Eriksen and, and Delhi to be kind of like almost... Out of the games mm. at points they didn't they didn't have to control it because the midfield and the defense were so good, and they could just wait for their moments and pick pick two passes two goals and and bury them so it is it is all to do with the formation, which is a problem because I don't think we can rely on two players like that you you're basically losing two players that if if it's not going well for the team they won't perform so there has to be um, an adjustment there one or the other has to change how they're playing especially when we're struggling
3: we have a question from if Skovmand. apologies if i've got the pronunciation wrong uh he asked us on facebook um when lamella gets back in the squad do you think he'll make the starting 11 or does he maybe fit poorly in the three at the back system we've been playing i mean i guess in a way you could you could use the same question for Son but where do you think this 3-4-3 three, three leaves Lamella?
4: I think it leaves him as the player we play instead of Sissoko we put Lamella in instead of him he's can play as an alternative to Eriksen and Dele Alli in the 3-4-3 three, three. that's what I would play I wouldn't start I wouldn't drop Alli
3: so he's a rotation option.
4: Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good rotation option. Yep,
5: yeah, same for me. I think 3-4-3 three, three is our best shape. The the way we lined up against Chelsea and West Brom is our best 11, and Lamella doesn't get into that, but he does become uh, an outrageously good option to have off the bench, and it does mean that we finally have a backup for Eriksen in that mm. role.
3: Lamella's actually really underrated at coming off the bench as well. He's so good at picking up the tempo of the game quickly, and either being a creative outlet who can break teams down or seeing games out with sort of sensible passing. I think that's been an underused facet to his game, his ability to come on and close games out. And I think we'll see more of that in the future. But it also allows Ericsson to have a few games off because he doesn't get much of a rest. Uh, We don't have many alternatives for him, as Bardi says. And Lamella... He's one of the only other players in the squad with that kinda creative vision that can spot a spot a slide rule pass. Yep.
5: He's um, not a, a true him. playmaker like Ericsson no. is but he's a creative attacking player. Mm. And as you said, he, he can come off the bench. He has that that deep hunger and aggression in everything mm. he does. And typically when you come on late, the game is more open, which also favours him.
4: And he's, he's much better on a counter-attack than, um, than Nkudu is and Sissoko. If you just go through like the highlight reel of Spurs goals over the last two years, on a counter-attack lamelle has been involved oh, he, in a lot he, of them
3: he 's a very smart first time passer, yeah, and lots of the goals that he 's been involved in have been involved in playing a first a neat fast first time pass yep. quickly into the path of a player who either then assists or scores. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that comes to mind is kane 's where he played it across the box, and I can with remember. his right foot
5: yeah it was kane 's first goal of the season he 'd been waiting a while for one. who
4: was that
0: against was.
4: there was also one against Newcastle away. Towards the end of not the five one but the the other the season before, where the ball broke and it dropped to Lamella and it was it was a simple pass but it had to be made either then or the opportunity would have gone and it was yeah, that is that's peak Lamella.
3: And I guess the same question applies to Son. Is he he? I guess he's the player that most closely resembles Delhi in the fact that he he'll, he'll get beyond um, Kane, he'll make the out to win runs. He'll occupy one, maybe two defenders at a time. Mm. Um, he attacks the box really well. The difference is that where Deli's really good at attacking things in the air, Son's not that kind of player. He's not going to kind of climb at the back post and, and meet across. But the thing I like about him is his willingness to shoot with both feet, which keeps defenders guessing. I don't think we've got any... Other than arguably Kane, we haven't really got other players in the squad who do take shots with both feet. Ericsson really. is the only one that I would That's shout, yeah.
4: But I, what I like about Son is his instinctiveness. He... he w- the pro- I think the problem with Son is when he's got a bit too much time. But if he gets the ball in a tight place, he, I quite like the way he'll move with it. I think sometimes when he's got too much time and too much room to think in, I think his decision making is poor. But when he's like instinctive, got to do something quickly, I, I like him like that.
3: Awesome. Uh, next talking point this evening is about the sort of management of the cups. Um, the Europa League was what I had in mind when we wrote the running order. Uh, but since then we've progressed in the FA Cup as well and we've now got extra cups to deal with. So how how do you feel about how we've rotated? I, I always saw the Europa League as an opportunity for young players until you get to the latter rounds. Now, there's been a little bit of that from Pochettino but generally he's not been like a red who'll throw in multiple young players at once. He's quite strategic with the way he, he picks the youngsters.
5: I think rotation uh, gets discussed by Spurs fans of being a uh, uh, game-by-game decision by Pochettino. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually the case is that um, the decisions are already made for him by the style he plays. He's a he's a one-and-a-half competition style manager. And because he plays this style, because he demands so much, he's going to have to retain the Cups. Now, for the first time, I think, he's actually changed things about and made a decision with, with the Fulham game and said, you know what, actually, I'm going to go strong here. So now we're starting to see decisions but I think for the most part it's been we have to rotate because that's the style of
4: play
3: mm, Interesting
4: I think form has dictated that we've we've been we haven't been playing great so to play our better players against Fulham is a good opportunity for someone to score a goal Kane I don't think had scored a goal from open play since um, West Brom probably so it was good for him to get some goals on the whole, I've been, I was disappointed with the rotation, especially in the Champions League, going away to a place like Monaco, who are top of the French League, have scored a bucket load of goals this season, and going there with Trippier at right back was very naive and very disrespectful to oh, and, and the competition. And the formation that night as yeah.
3: well did my head in, because they just double teamed us on the on both flanks time and again, and we didn't adapt, and it was horrendous yeah. to watch.
4: That was, you know, that, I put that up there with Newcastle's, like, some of the, but worst things I've seen yeah. from a Pochettino team.
3: Yeah, and, and the most frustrating thing was his inability to stop it happening.
4: Yeah. But it's just naivety. Like we know that Monaco, I thought that it was a flash in the pan. I thought they would fade, but they, they haven't. They're mm. still going strong. Mm. And um <laughs> I thought it was a very naive and I didn't like the way he rotated there, especially for because he had the Chelsea game in mind, which we ended up losing. So we you kind of you go half-hearted into both and we lost both. But um I quite like the fact that we are playing stronger teams in both competitions, I would like to win one of these competitions. I think Pochettino's probably getting to the stage now where you know i don't think he's under pressure to win a comp to win a cup. I think for the club they want to win they want to finish in the top four, but I think for him personally as a manager if he's got aspirations to manage on a high level, he needs a cup
3: you need silverware for like you said for the, for the manager but also to show the players that they're capable. Of- winning something as a team and it it creates this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy where winning breeds winning also it keeps players around longer we're we're getting to a point with a number of our players where they haven't won an awful lot in their careers they're Mm. kind of hitting that peak age 26 27 and do they want to be at a club where they can win stuff or do they want to look elsewhere so it's time now we actually focus on winning a cup competition because they're the most winnable We've got a question, we've got a few questions, but starting off with a question from Kolesnikov on Twitter, who says, why does Poch seem insistent on a left-footed left centre-back and a right-footed right centre-back? Why is this necessary? Are there pros and cons?
4: Well, it just makes sense, because if you're on your stronger foot, you don't want to be turning inside. The worst case is you turn towards the byline. If if the ball comes into the left-footed centre-back on the left side, he naturally will want to clear immediately on his left foot, and it's easier and safer to clear out towards rather than back inside.
5: This actually ties into the further reading section later on. I've managed to hunt down an article, which is actually about uh, Leighton Baines' performance in the 14-15 season for Everton. And this Everton fan, who is a uh, analytics guy, uh, looked at what the difference was, and he decided that Jagielka, who's a right-footed player, moving over to the left side in place of, I think, Tistan, um, meant that Baines received the ball almost half as often and this resulted in Baines having almost no attacking output for the rest of the season, so I, th- I think that backs up his decision to to look at things that
4: way. The, See, yeah, sorry, buddy. I oh, know, and it's it's just a natural thing sure. that in a, in a high stress situation you're going to move to your strongest foot, and if you've got yeah, I think Ledley King was a right footer, and I think he's one of the very few centre backs who were able to gracefully do it across on the left foot. But and I think there was a time when he played at centre back alongside John Terry for England. And he was just like confused because Je- John Terry's, who's a left footer, took the left hand side. No, well Terry plays on the left as well. He plays on the left. He's a right foot. Yeah. He's okay. <laughs> Fuck Thank John you. Terry. <laughs> but yeah, King liked to play on the left hand side, and he was quite natural at doing it. Fuck, I've always is believed it? John Terry <laughs> was a left footer No,
5: he's right foot. He comes from the left, like Lenny King, like Toby as well. I think he, he yeah. obviously can do a job on the on the left. Yeah,
3: Players willing, willing to take a make a pass with their weaker foot is so important in in particularly in centre-backs, I think, um, and central midfielders. I think it's important that, well, as we said earlier, centre-backs have to be good in possession, and then being on their right side, in inverted commas, makes it that bit easier to do that. And that is so fascinating, what you said about Baines and the ability to find Baines. I can just imagine that being true of Vertonghen and Rose. That um, mm. that part, I mean, their link-up is really great, really, really great. And before... Um, the injury to the Tongan, he was starting to show signs of carrying the ball out again which we hadn't really seen from him for a couple of years. When he first came he was this kind of marauding centre-back who'd occasionally pop up in the box and drive forward yeah. and we hadn't seen that but in the three he's got licence to do that. I love the idea of all of our centre-backs giving, having licence to move forward when, when the play requires it and then being on their right sides just makes that a little bit easier. I mean do you think there'll be a time when we'll see inverted centre-backs where Like you say, you've got a a right-footed centre-back playing on the left and a left-footed centre-back on the right. Uh,
4: I I don't know whether the invertedness (laughs) of a centre-back is of any benefit going forward.
5: (laughs) 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 If you have a situation where you have a right sided winger who's your fast player and your left sided winger is a slow cutting inside player and so be out of where or is your centre back, mm. it makes sense to have your centre back on the left side because then he can switch left to right. But that that yeah. is the only yeah. example. And
3: I guess if they've got a stronger foot to tackle with, then the rise of inverted wingers might end up. With a rise of inverted defenders. as re- We as might a see the
5: rise of inverted fullbacks well, uh, my for two f- different yeah. reasons. My
4: favourite player is, my f- one of my favourite ever players is an inverted wingback, um, fullback Vincent Candela, who was, mm. who was a beautiful mm. fullback.
3: I mean, we saw Lam play on both sides of mm. uh, defence competently. Uh, Lee Young-Pio for Spurs was a, <laughs> a right-footed player but and, and did a really, really good job there actually. I mean, he got a lot of criticism but he was a solid player. He was a very good defender.
4: Damien, Decilia, more examples of... Plenty of examples.
3: Yeah. Uh, a question from Aztec Life on Reddit who says, if we sold Davies, could Lamella make a good left-sided wing-back to cover Rose?
5: I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think Lamella has the defensive uh, instincts. He's, he's obviously uh, willing and determined and everything and he's, he's probably our best Presser of the ball, but his terms of, of of reading runs at the opposite end of the field means that he's he's not Suzoko, who played uh, left wing back for a few minutes. He has the defensive sense, although I'm obviously not a fan of Suzoko to play at, at, at wing back, left or right. Um, but I think he's our only winger in the squad who could do that really.
4: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it. I, don't, I just don't think it will work. Um, one. For Lamella's personality, he's too impetuous. He wants to win the ball. He's just always... He's like a dog chasing a squirrel. He just wants to get the ball, which sometimes as a fullback, you need to just get close, Mm. and that's all you've got to do.
3: That's exactly the point I was going to make. He'd be too tempted to dive in in moments where you just can't do that. Um, I don't think he has the pace or athleticism to play at at wing-back. It's so important in that role. Um, And also, he doesn't... Even when he plays on the left of three behind Kane which has been quite frequently this year, he doesn't really go on the outside. He still wants to come inside because yeah. that's, the, that's the space he likes to fill.
4: And also one more thing is um, the full-back position is full-back, wing-back. It's not something that you can just pick up, oh, this guy can play midfield, drop into centre-back. We've seen through Danny Rose's career how he progressed from a left winger to a full-back, but that took like five, six, seven years.
5: Well, as he said... Pochettino was the first coach to actually coach him how to play as a fullback, and we've yeah. seen how he's developed since then.
3: Absolutely, I felt like Redknapp just stuck him there because he had a left foot. Yeah. Much like he tried to do with Townsend, he tried to move Townsend <laughs> back to left God. back at one point. I yeah. mean, that's just old-fashioned. Pochettino's actually coached the guy and taught him how to defend.
4: Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's something. It's a vocation to be a fullback. You've got to be able to see the whole game, and you've got the whole pitch in front of you, and you're limited because you've got the the the. the touchline next to you like Klopp famously he his um kind of principles of like his heavy metal football is to attack the fullbacks because they've got nowhere to go they either give it away for throwing or they come back inside and you've got to learn how to how to cope with that kind of restricted space you've got around you
3: right we'll move on to our uh further reading section which has been quite popular so far and we're kind of i'm pleased that this has taken off um Nathan, you mentioned something earlier. Yes,
5: I mentioned the Baines piece. I can't remember what it's titled, but I'll uh, obviously send the link. And also, you mentioned uh, Inverting the Pyramid by Jonathan Wilson earlier. And I think that that should uh, remain a a permanent fixture of further reading. If you want to get into Tactics, that is the book to read.
3: The the Tactics Bible.
4: Yeah. My further reading is something to do with surprisingly Serie A, because <laughs> this uh, this week an amazing thing happened this um, this phenomenon called Zemelandia uh, Z- returned back in it back to Italy so I don't know if you're aware uh, Zeman Zenik Zeman is this coach 70 year old Czech guy who is just an attacking nut all he believes is in is scoring goals his um he hates nil-nils he said he'd rather lose 5-4 than draw nil-nil and uh, a couple of years ago, he took Pescara from um, Serie B to Serie A, scoring a shitload of goals in his team. He had Virati, Immobile. He's really good at developing youth players, but he left to go to Roma and turned to shit. But Pescara are back in Serie A this season. They haven't won a game properly. They got awarded a win, but they haven't won a game all season. And he's back being their manager and their first game in charge he reverted back to his favoured 4-3-3 and they beat Genoa 5-0 in their first game and it's now everybody's got their eyes on him to see if he can actually turn them around and save them they're 10 points away from safety so it's highly unlikely he'll save them but he's just an amazing character think of like Harry Redknapp but with a a philosophy chain smoking and just (laughs) an, an understanding of attacking football and he's a guy that's been in Italy for a long time he took Fodja from the third division back in the early 90s to Serie A and he scored more goals than that amazing Milan team of Capello that season but they also conceded more than the bottom team and they finished eighth. He's, a, he's an amazing character. Who's been harshly dealt with because he was the one that called out Juve for doping back in the day? Mm. So go read um, the article on um, These Football Times, who also do a lot of good stuff. Yeah, good website, that. And Paolo Bandini also wrote about um, Zeman this week, so on the Guardian, so check that out.
3: Awesome. Um, I I can't really follow that, that was fantastic. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I, I read, it, I saw a, a good piece by Pat Nevin on the BBC about Christian Eriksen, which I, I That's retweeted from a,
5: a few years ago, isn't it? It, st- it still stands true. it's still a, a fantastic piece. And I don't know why Pat Nevin doesn't get more work yeah, on the so BBC. So he's, he's, he's one, of the, one the of the best analysts on the BBC.
3: Yep. He's really, really good and really engaging as well. He's a good presenter. Um, and also, Javad Motherhead, he recommended "Football Against the Enemy" by Simon Cooper, which I am definitely going to look up. It's a very good
4: point. book. There's um, really nice parts about. Um, when East and West Germany, how the players used to kind of try and defect to play for the opposition. Yeah. There's really nice stuff on um, the hatred between Germany and Holland and how it kind of goes deeper than just um, Reichard spitting in. Rudy Vollers <laughs> there about the um, it goes into like the history about the uh, the world the war and stuff like that. It's a really good book.
3: Lovely and uh, and thanks, Javan, for recommending that. If mm-hmm. anyone else has anything to recommend, then give us a shout either on uh, Love The Shirt or um, you can normally find us on, on Reddit as well uh, in advance of the Extra Inch Recordings um, or you can at me at Windy Coys. That's probably it for this week. Thank you, Nathan, for coming down once again. Been a pleasure to have you here.
5: Uh, my pleasure. Thank you very much.
3: And Bardi, topside kicking once again. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for Nathan. listening. Hope you've enjoyed it any feedback would be much appreciated and ideas for talking points and we'll be back uh, hopefully in four to six weeks depending on uh, Bardi's health situation. He had a bit of a, a stomach upset last time which meant we, we, we ended up rescheduling like six weeks later than expected. It was
4: a chocolate fondue fountain. Can it you just wasn't stick nice. to...
3: Dangerous. Just like spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fighting.
2: It's the fighting. It's the in. Clock a Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. When I clock out of the hospital at 6 p.m., I'm not done for the night. That's when Gamer Nurse 40 clocks in, and she's got orcs to slay. Sure, I'm playing a 13-year-old in Scranton, but he's a level 53 mage with a filthy mouth, so I need to stay on top of my game.
1: What you call me? That's when I crack open a Heineken Zero Zero. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing.
2: So I can focus on stealing his gold
1: before his mom tells him it's bedtime. Take that, kids. Heineken Zero Zero. 0 00 percent alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.